0: Ultimately, what we're able to do here and where we're really able to help is we're working with trustees and we're able to provide them independent, defensible value for the implementation and the updates each year thereafter. Small businesses are the backbone of the American economy and here in Michigan, but only 50% will make it five years in business. On Mitten Money, host William Zank will focus on helping Michigan-based business owners with the tough questions that will help them succeed. How do I expand my business? what options do I have for retirement? How do I move forward? Having worked with small business owners throughout his entire career and with excellent attention to detail and strong analytical skills, William Zank of TriStar Trust will unearth answers to these questions and more. You can subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at tristartrust.com morning
1: good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Emit money this podcast will focus on helping michigan-based business owners find the answers to the tough questions that will help them succeed on today's show we invite jacob helwick on the podcast who's currently a manager at atomy valuation for those who may not know atomy employs some of the top experts in the nation in business valuation whether you have a question about an esop or selling your business they're a go-to resource i also know that jake's pretty knowledgeable about fishing if you have any questions in regards to that so welcome, Jake, to Mitt Money. Thanks, Bill. Uh, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be on the show. Absolutely. So what made you initially interested in joining Anatomy? For listeners who may not know, prior to joining, you were working in a competitive leadership development program with a regional bank in the area. What ended up attracting you to Anatomy?
0: Yeah, so I, I think the appropriate response to this question really predates the, the start of my career. All the way back to high school, I was fortunate enough to spend a couple of years overseas in Tokyo, Japan, and had the opportunity to <clears throat> kind of hear about a lot of my friends' parents and the different types of businesses that they, they either owned and operated or, or were a part of. And so that sort of led me down taking an interest in the role of finance. And so fast forward, I went to college and did my undergrad at Grand Valley State University was a dual major in finance and accounting. I actually started out as just a sole finance major. And when I saw the importance and kind of how accounting and finance are intertwined and go in hand, I added the accounting major alongside. And as I started taking on more coursework, I think that just reinforced my thinking on the direction I wanted to head in terms of my career. Right out of school, I I did a stint in commercial banking and had the opportunity to work with the commercial credit department at Chemical Bank, which is now TCF and soon to be Huntington, apparently. And you know, I got some really, really good exposure there in getting to understand some of the financial or foundational concepts in terms of how to look at companies with regards to cash flow, collateral risks, opportunities, strengths, weaknesses, that sort of thing, kind of you know, portifies five forces, if you will. And I kind of reached a point of, I wanted more, I wanted to dig in more into the businesses and really get to understand every kind of moving part that drove those companies that I was working with. In addition to that, you know, I was doing a lot of back office work at the time, so I didn't have a whole lot of client interaction and I'm a pretty big extrovert, as you know. So I really liked the opportunity to interact with individuals. And so... I was looking for I guess a little bit of a change in a career but knew I wanted to stay in the finance realm and it just so happened that an opportunity opened up here at Atomy and I had a colleague of mine that was working here at the time and had nothing but praise for the firm and I figured I'd give it a go and connected really well with the team when I interviewed with them and the rest is kind of history. I mean, I think I've been around the firm for about 4 years now and there's never a dull moment. Every business is is unique in its own ways. And it's really neat, sort of going through the whole diligence process and being able to understand the ins and outs of a business, whether you're talking, you know, the three financial statements, a PL, a cash flow statement, a balance sheet, understanding all the qualitative factors that go into the business and, and kind of hearing about an owner's legacy and then how they built those companies from the ground up and how they got to where they are today and kind of where they're headed next.
1: Wow. So a lot of really good things to kind of unpack from there. And so why do you think it matters so much for your business to have the singular focus that it does? And so you see a lot of other business valuation experts in the businesses that they operate in. They maybe have different divisions, whether it be CPA practices, maybe they're also doing other types of tax reporting on the side too. But what makes Atomy very interesting and why I wanted to invite you on is you guys have a singular focus within business valuation, and you guys have been doing it, I believe, since the late 70s, maybe the early 80s. Is that correct? And why do you also think it's so important for a business to have that singular focus?
0: Atomy has been around since 1979. We were once a CPA firm pretty early on in, in Rick Atomy's career in terms of starting the firm. He quickly began doing some business valuation work. and that. Slowly grew into what would become a major part of the firm in the practice, and so right around the two thousand and eight time frame, they spun off the CPA side of things, the accounting side of things, and we became a full fledged valuation firm and Here we are today we now sort of brand ourselves as a business valuation and litigation services firm, which i 'd be happy to get into more um, because we 're really doing a little bit more than just ordinary business valuation but why are we really just focused on DV and litigation services? Like I said, the answer is twofold. Number one, like with anything, if you spread yourself too thin, it's hard to become subject matter experts. So by being able to submerse ourselves in this space, it gives us ample opportunity to really dive in and understand what's going on in the valuation community, understand new trends and changes in terms of the markets and what's going on with tax reform and different regulations. So that's sort of reason number one. And then reason number two is, and probably the, the most important piece here is our independence. By remaining a full-fledged BV and litigation services firm, we can maintain our independence. And that's really, it's particularly important whenever we're dealing with dispute resolutions and whenever we're potentially being scrutinized by a third party you know, we do not want any subjectivity coming into our valuations or we want to mitigate it to the best extent possible because we really want to be able to provide an objective opinion to our clients.
1: Absolutely. I think that independence, you know, can just say so much about the firm being able to go take out what is the opportunity and option to have those other divisions for you and be able to go make your money, but rather have that option, be able to go focus what you said, litigation services and BV, just to make you guys more wholehearted, more independent at the end of the day. So that's that's a very interesting answer. And so what are some of the biggest problems that you guys help solve for your clients, whether it be an owner is transitioning his business to go sell his business into his retirement, or maybe it's some of the ESOP reporting that I know that we've somewhat discussed in the
0: past too. So we, we've got kind of a lot of practice areas, if you will, within our firm. One of them I kind of just mentioned broadly, not the practice area, but just in terms of how we're problem solving is dispute resolution, right? So we may run into a situation where you've got a handful of shareholders in a business and they're kind of butting heads, unfortunately, or it's time for one individual to get out and that individual can't come to terms on a price with the other shareholders. And so that's where we we sort of step in kind of act as again, maintaining that independence and acting as that third party and providing this unbiased opinion of what we believe the value of a company is. The same thing on the divorce side. So all of our experts at our firm are, they've got a significant testimony experience and, and act as an expert witness pretty frequently. So you know if we're willing to defend our work product all the way through a trial in the courts. And then you know on the ESOP side, And it's something I dabble quite a bit in. It's pretty neat being able to be a part of ESOP implementations and annual update work. And for those who will be listening to this podcast and might not be privy to an ESOP, an ESOP is an employee stock ownership plan. And it's a really neat opportunity for individuals to participate in sort of a new form of retirement. And the benefit that those ESOPs can pay out Often exceeds a normal contribution level, like a 401k. You know, I think kind of the average across the 50 states is somewhere around four and a half percent of payroll in a given year, give or take, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower. An ESOP can be the benefit that an ESOP can afford to pay is often well in excess of that, and it gives employees an opportunity to share in the growth of the business that they're working in. But I think. Ultimately, what we're able to do here and where we're really able to help is we're working with trustees and we're able to provide them independent defensible value for the implementation and the updates each year thereafter. So the reason that you know evaluation needs to be done for ESOPs is that there's not a liquid market, right? They're not publicly traded companies under most circumstances. Generally, we're dealing with privately held companies. So, you know, they need that value to understand a company's worth and deliver on that stock price every year to those employees I think that you know really benefits the trustee who's overseeing the employee stock ownership trust in gaining comfort knowing that the stock price they're using to determine how shares and value are allocated to participant accounts they can sleep at night knowing that it's a sound value so jacob outside esop
1: reporting what are some of the other services that Atomy offers
0: Yeah. So great question, Bill. We're pretty diverse. We've got quite a few practice areas and I'll try and keep it high level and sum them up concisely. We've got sort of our divorce practice area. So we'll provide business valuation services for a divorce. So if you've got a spouse that owns a business that has to be valued because that's part of the assets in terms of that estate that needs to be worked out in light of the separation, that's our divorce practice area. We do a fair amount of financial reporting work too. So a lot of ASC 805 engagements, which is business combinations. So purchase price allocations. Whenever a company acquires another company, there needs to be opening balance sheet accounting. And often there are intangible assets like a trade name or or customer relationships, for instance, that need to be valued and we'll value those intangible assets and we'll work closely with the auditor to work through that whole process. You had asked a question earlier about problem solving. And I think that's kind of where we really step in on the financial reporting side is company sends us over all all of the information necessary to complete the financial reporting work. But then we we sort of step in and facilitate and handle all that conversation with the auditor. So what we'll do is we'll provide our work product. The auditor will scrutinize it, for lack of a better term, and review it. And the auditor will come back with questions and and we're prepared to answer those questions to make that process as seamless as possible for our client. We also, on the financial reporting side, do a fair amount of impairment testing, goodwill impairment testing. So that's ASC 350 and 360 work. And that's kind of financial reporting in a nutshell. And then more kind of the standard BV. We spoke a lot about ESOPs, so I won't dig into that anymore, but we do a lot of gift and estate tax reporting work. So when someone is gifting a business interest, say to another family member, that creates a taxable event. And that taxable event, of course, needs to be reported to a third party, which is the IRS. And there are often discounts associated with it, especially when it's a minority interest. So We provide a very defensible work product in going through a whole bunch of empirical studies and analyses to quantify those control discounts for minority interests and marketability discounts as well. We do work on the commercial litigation side as well. So when you think in terms of, say you've got two automotive suppliers and they're bound by an agreement or a contract to supply parts to one another. If supplier B breaches the agreement with supplier A, there is some economic impact with the breach of the agreement, right? So we'll step in and we'll quantify that economic impact. And then just a little bit more on the BV side is, you know, I touched on the speed resolution. I touched a bit on just establishing baseline values in the event of a of a sale of a company. And we do valuations for corporate planning purposes for the implementation and ongoing administration work for different types of equity incentive plans. So if you think about any type of business interest that needs to be valued, we are your go-to provider. Absolutely.
1: I appreciate you touching upon that in such a good depth. And so have you seen any effects from COVID? I know we're still in COVID. This is, for anyone listening, this is being recorded late May, but have you been seeing any effects from COVID in regard to more M&A or people
0: selling their businesses
1: during this past year?
0: Yeah, I mean, COVID directly, I think, has had an implication on all businesses, whether that's you know to their benefit or to their detriment. In terms of the M and A space, so what we'll do is we'll establish a baseline value and work with somebody who you know might be looking to potentially sell their business, and they're just looking to understand what that company could potentially be worth from a fair market value standpoint. Where we don't get involved is sort of brokering all of those deals. In that we never really had done that, but I interact with a lot of M&A professionals, and I can tell you that there is a ton of capital out there that's you know outstanding and, and ready to be deployed. So you couple that with being in an era where we're dealing with a pretty substantial baby boomer population and those, you know many of those are business owners and those business owners are getting older and they're looking for different exit opportunities and different exit strategies. And yeah you get you get a pretty robust A M&A market. So I think there was when the pandemic first hit, there was certainly some pause in the weeks following until society could kind of figure out what was going on and you know were we in this for the long haul and kind of converting to more of a virtual setting but the market remained, pretty hot for lack of a better term from from my understanding. So a follow-up question based
1: on that. And so if I'm a business owner and I own ABC Corporation, I'm looking to potentially sell it within the next three to five years. What does that typical timeline look from okay, I'm looking for someone to help me sell the business. So maybe I go reach out and contact you. What does that typical timeline look like from when I first initially reach out to you and we have our first initial conversation to the actual date of, okay, now I can sell my business and now I'm happy and now I'm in retirement?
0: Well, so a lot of times what'll happen is if a business owner reaches out to us and they're looking at, you know, maybe potentially selling their company down the road, we'll work with them to, you know, maybe let me back up a company would reach out to us or a business owner would reach out to us and establish you know that initial point of contact initial relationship and engagement letter would go out we would sort of go through the process of you know initial diligence collecting all of the financial information and qualitative data that we need we'd have a diligence meeting go out and visit with the clients get to see the operations of the business do a deep dive into their financials and get a better understanding of, again, all qualitative and quantitative factors relating to that company. From there, we go back and, you know, sort of build out our financial models, you know, form some conclusions. Typically, from a valuation standpoint, our general turnaround is four to six weeks from the date of receipt of all of that information. And, you know, After that four to six week period, a draft's been delivered, a client has ample time to review it. We'll have a follow-up draft meeting to walk that client through the analysis and make sure they understand all of our assumptions and sort of the thought process that went into it. We finalize that and they've got a baseline value established. Now, from there, if they haven't already, they're probably going to be looking at getting in touch with an M&A attorney potentially, depending on the size of the business. If they've got a potential buyer lined up, it's a lot more simple to just work with an M&A attorney. You don't have to go out there and look for a business broker or an investment banker. If you don't, have something lined up then yeah you're probably going to want to look to engage an investment banker if you're you're really looking to incur those hefty fees and, and market it to perhaps a strategic buyer for instance or you know some private equity firms that may not already have you on the radar or there's other situations where it might be a smaller business and you might just be looking for more of a, an M&A broker. so that process can definitely span many many months. And perhaps longer. You know, I can't give you a definitive timeline since I, I'm not on the IB and brokering side, but yeah, it can be a strung out process. But if you have sort of your marching orders and all of your information in place and you're taking the proper steps, the process can usually go a lot quicker.
1: Perfect. And so, talking a little bit more just about ESOPs one more time, I understand that Atomy does a lot of work in ESOP as we've been talking a little bit so far on the podcast. So much, in fact, that you guys do this nationwide. So how did your firm become a go-to expert in this field? We
0: were probably one of the earlier valuation firms in the area at the time and that had an understanding of the market. ESOPs are, are pretty unique. They're not valued the exact same way that any other business would be, typically. There are a lot more considerations that need to be had and we really need to take a hard look at you know, retirement contributions. And there are a lot of more complex concepts like, like prepaid benefits and the whole idea of, you know, there's this repurchase obligation, right? The company or the ESOP rather actually has to repurchase those shares from participants as, as they're terminated from the plan. So there are definitely a lot of nuances with ESOPs. And so I think we historically have done a great job of really honing and crafting our knowledge in that space to become the subject matter experts. And then in terms of becoming nationwide, it's like with any firm, right? You build up a reputation, you market, we attend a lot of conferences and, and really try to stay in contact with a lot of trustees across the US. You know, we want them to, when they're, they're considering you know, an ESOP implementation and you know, going in for a pitch to a company that's looking to potentially obtain an outside trustee, you know, we want to be top of mind for that transaction
1: absolutely you know just to kind of sum up what at least what i got out of it kind of sounds like you guys have just been around for such a long time building up that reputation to where you are now it's just kind of rolling a snowball down a hill eventually that snowball which may have started out pretty small can get pretty big pretty sizable and be able to build up your reputation to that point too so absolutely so i know i mentioned this in the introduction you obviously like to fish what are some other hobbies you know maybe if we want to just talk about fishing we
0: can also do that but what are some things you like to do in your free time I am a very big outdoorsman. You know, I spend a lot of time on the water in the summertime, spend a lot of time in the woods in the fall. I like just about anything with a motor in it, whether that be, you know, off-roading and, you know, on ATVs and motorcycles and that sort of thing, all the way to tearing apart something and kind of rebuilding it. I also really enjoy home improvement projects. I spend a lot of time, I I live up in, in Sparta currently. And I've had that house for about three years now, and there's not a day has gone by where I haven't worked on some project or been in the midst of some project on the house, just because it's, it's something that I enjoy doing. I enjoy, we put a pretty good sized garden in last year and we've done some gardens in past years as well. And and so I really like to get out and enjoy doing that. And, you know, outside of that, really just spending time interacting with friends and family and, and getting to know new people. Absolutely,
1: all fun stuff. And I can definitely attest to all the home improvement that you've done over the years, whether it's <laughs> roofing, putting a new bathroom. I mean, certainly sound like the handyman to go call if anyone has an
0: issue. Yeah, <laughs> I do my darnest to perform a good job. I mean, I do it all on my own house and I have to live with it every day. So I tend to be a little bit meticulous in that regard. But, you know, it's not always easy along the way. I've, I've had to learn as I've gone and I've made mistakes and I've learned from those. And, you know, the next time you go and do it, you get a little bit better. I think I've put like half a dozen doors on my house and I had no idea just how challenging it would be to do door installation. And so, you know, the first one, it took me about four times as long as I thought it would. The second one, it took a little less time, the third, the fourth, and they looked a little better each time, right? And then you can go back and fix, you know, the first few that you did. And so, yeah, some of it's just trial and error, but I enjoy doing it. And of
1: course, over time, you get better and better. So for the listeners out there who want to learn more about yourself or want to learn more about Atomy, what are some good resources for the listeners?
0: Yeah, so we are are all over social media. I think just about any form of social media that you can think of. We've got a pretty big presence on LinkedIn. We're very active on it. We've been doing a lot more blog posting recently. We've had hosted webinars in the past. We do that periodically. And if you follow us on LinkedIn, just under Atom evaluation, you'll be able to kind of stay caught up with the current times and understand what's going on in, in the BV world, in litigation services world. So yeah, I, I think the other big thing is we of course have a website and I Probably a little biased, but I feel like we've got a pretty well built out website that provides an in-depth overview of the different practice areas that we're involved with. We've got some pretty unique case studies on there as well and contact information for all of our experts, including myself.
1: Good. Appreciate it. Thank you for mentioning that. So thank you for listening to another episode of Mitten Money. Please don't forget to follow our podcast. You don't miss when new episodes
0: drop. Thanks, Jake. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Mitten Money, sponsored by Tristar Trust. Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the Tristar Trust team can guide your small business at tristartrust.com.